0: you for downloading this message from our Father's house. I don't know, something that the Lord spoke to me about as I was studying and reading the Word. and I want to get the church, personally, um, as individuals, getting out of a lifestyle of living from miracle to miracle that Christ does. Um, I'll elaborate a little bit more on that, but what I want to deal with is Pursuing Christianity, I was talking to Samantha today, I said pursuing Christianity out of convenience, basically. Uh, pursuing Jesus for the, all that he is, not just for what he gives. Because uh, whether, whether you believe it or not, he knows the intentions of the heart. He knows the intentions of the heart. And, and it's not to say, this is what you're doing. No, I, I believe this is a warning. I believe this is a warning of where... If we don't take self-evaluation of ourselves on a daily basis, we can get to this point in walking with Jesus where we follow Jesus as spectators just to see what he can offer. And I see these different pictures on Facebook, you know, and it really spoke to me. I, know I always skip them because they say, if you pass it up, you don't love Jesus. And I'm not going to bind my love for Jesus over a picture that I pass up. But it really shook me up because it said, pray when things are bad, but pray when things are good. And we get to the point where we, we you know, and I know we're busy, and, and you might say, man, Brandon, this sounds redundant, but I believe it's what the Spirit of God is speaking to the church today. If you haven't understand and come to the point that we need to seek the face of God now more than ever, I don't know what else the Spirit of God needs to do to shake us up. And I'm talking about before anything, before the, the church, before you all even get it, it's to leadership, before anything, Brandon, pastors, elders, deacons, seek the face of God. So I'm, I'm, I might just get all through chapter six. I might not. But we got to get to the position where we pursue Jesus for who he is in the good times and in the bad times. Whether it's raining outside, whether it's snowing, whether the sun is shining on me every day, whether I'm on the valley, whether I'm on the mountain. I picked that up when I moved over here. Regardless of where we're at, we follow Jesus. <laughs> we follow Jesus because of who he is, you know, I was watching a a video on Facebook of R.C. Sproul. I don't know if some of you have ever heard him, and he basically rebuked a bunch of Christians because one of the Christians asked, "Why God, in his in his you know, and as powerful he is, would he let something bad happen upon somebody, or he wouldn't?" The question was, "Why wouldn't God give me what I desire?" And R.C. Sproul got upset and said, "Newsflash: God does not own you anything. God does not owe you nothing." He's infinite. He's powerful. He's great. He's, Jesus said, I can make the rocks cry out. I don't know where we got to the point in a walk with God where we think we're the ones that began this and are leading this when it's Jesus that lives inside of us, not us that live inside of Jesus. Last time I checked, I didn't die for Jesus' sins. He died for mine. I mean, that's, that's just where I'm at right now with my walk with God. And I hope this speaks to you. So let's, let's open up to chapter 6 of John. I have notes all over my... I didn't even bring a paper. There's just scribbled notes all over the place. I couldn't stop writing. So let's just start. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. I ask, Spirit of God, that you release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. Father, Spirit of God, I pray you come and just open up our hearts, open up our minds. Lord, I ask you that you just illuminate the word to us, Lord. Illuminate the revelation of this word. Father, let us examine ourselves. Father, this word is for me as much as is, I hope it's for everybody else. And I just ask, God, that you call us higher, that you call us deeper, that you call us farther. Lord, that you ask us to wade in the deepest parts of the river. We desire that, Lord. We don't want to stay where the water comes to our knees or to our loins. Lord, we want waters to swim in. And we hear your call, Holy Spirit, that the only way that we can come deeper is by releasing the things, Lord, that don't reflect Jesus and we will answer the call. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we say, Amen. Let's just go, I'm just gonna break this down. I mean, I may read, I may not read, but it says, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. And a great multitude was following him because they were seeing those, the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Let's stop there real quick. The only reason that Jesus had groupies was because of his miracles. I mean, that's why they were following him. Spectators, people who were interested in what the Messiah, I mean, they didn't even know who he was. They just, they just saw a guy healing people, and they began to follow him. I mean, you're, we're going to get to the point in chapter 6 where Jesus was frustrated that he went to be with himself. He's like, these people will not leave me alone. Jesus knew, because the way Jesus responded was by finding solitude, not being in the center of these people. Because the Lord knew their, their intentions of their actual heart. So they were following him only because of the signs that he was doing on the sick. And Jesus went up on the mountain with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Jesus therefore lifted up his eyes and seeing that a great multitude was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread and, and that these may eat? And he was saying this as a test for him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Think about that. A denarii was one day's wages. How huge was the group that 201 day's wages was not sufficient to feed somebody? Imagine, I mean, me, I'm on salary, but I can... You know, I, when I used to work for the GERB, I used to make probably about a little bit over $100 a day in a day's wage. 200 times that was not sufficient enough, imagine that, to feed how big this group was. So if this wasn't just one or two people that were following Jesus. The Bible goes on to, to count on 5,000 men. I heard it this way. If each man had a wife and a son, you're at least looking at 15,000 people. 15,000 people, because at that time, men were only counted. All my feminist ladies in the house, don't get mad. That was Jewish culture back then. <laughs> at least 15,000 following Jesus. So we get to the point where the disciples say, well, there's this kid. He has, he has uh, two lo- five loaves of bread and two fish. But even that's not enough, the disciples say. So Jesus, therefore, took that. And we know this miracle as the feeding of the, of the 5,000. He blessed it, and he gave and the Bible says that he had 12 baskets left over. That shows the frugality of Jesus. Shame on us for being wasteful. Whenever, we, whoa! shame on us for being, I'll tell you the truth, I'll be honest. When I got back from Africa, I tried for about six months not to waste anything. And after six months, I totally forgot. I got into my American mold. I was like, well, praise the Lord, they're over there. And that's the cross that God had to bear him. And I'm an American. I mean, literally, I got to that point. But God is trying to show us frugality. Listen, don't live a lifestyle. Don't live a lifestyle that you cannot afford. Do not live a lifestyle. Look, I'm going to touch on everything, and if I get on your nerves, I'm sorry. But don't live a lifestyle that you cannot afford. We've been praying for the, every time that we gather and we intercede, we've been praying that we pray that we will be the lender, not the borrower. I'll be the first one to say, listen, I have debt and I hate it. Why? Because I, I myself have gotten to a point where I live from miracle to miracle. And because I expected something from the Lord and it didn't come at my timing, I chose a credit card instead of God. Oh, we got to be careful with that, church. Yes. We got to be careful with that. It's not faith, honestly, when you believe the credit card over Jesus. Right. And that's why I myself personally, I should be in that classroom there with that financial literacy. I placed myself in a position where it's not, I mean, I'm not struggling, but it's like, I shouldn't be in this place because I didn't have faith in the Lord. So frugality, let's live a life of frugality. Let's keep on continuing. So Jesus takes the bread. He fills the five. He he eats, you know, everybody had to their fill. 15,000 people. Look at verse 14 right here. This is the first confession. When therefore the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is of a truth, the prophet who is to come into the world. Keep in mind, verse 14, as we continue, they confessed who Jesus was. They confessed who Jesus was because they were fed and their temporary need was met. (laughs) But Jesus was soon to talk about a spiritual need that leads to eternal life. But these people were so focused on their material temporal, earthly need that everything else that Jesus was trying to talk to them concerning the spirit, which is life, totally went out the door. We got to be careful. God knows that we need money to survive here. God knows that. God knows that we need money to build the building. But if we don't keep our focus on the main purpose of what we're doing here, we're going to miss it, folks. We're going to miss it. Just like Pastor said Sunday, everything is going to burn anyways. Listen, I'm not telling you sell all your possessions and, and no, I'm not saying that. Use wisdom. The Father gives you wisdom. The Spirit of God gives you wisdom to be able to live your life here on earth. But we can't get so earthly minded that we forget the purpose that God has called us to. So they confess that he was a prophet. Let's keep on going. Then you have verse 15, 16, 17, and 18 You have them in Capernaum, and Jesus walks on water. That's what we're getting to here. And he basically calms the storm. And then it says, The next day the multitude that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other small boat there except one, and that Jesus had not entered with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the multitude therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. I mean, that's borderline stalker. Honestly, that's borderline stalker. Listen, (laughs) temporary things just fill you for a little bit. Because why? They came seeking the next day, Man, this dude fed us. Let's go look for him again. So they came looking for Jesus. Jesus answered them. I love what Jesus said here. Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. That's the only reason you're looking for me. You you have another temporary fix that you need for me to take care of. That's the only reason you're chasing after me. How many times has a church gotten to that place, to where we live out of one miracle and God moves miraculously in our life? If you received a miraculous healing or a miraculous move of God, raise your hand. Everybody has. Everybody has. But in between miracle A and miracle B, there's no consistency of either chasing Jesus or we we seem to forget what God did for us. And whenever a greater problem or a greater circumstance arises, we should look back at what Christ did for us and have greater faith, greater faith into what he's going to do for this next circumstances, but we tend to regress. We tend to regress. So Jesus said, you're not looking for me because of the signs, you're looking for me because you had your fill." Then Jesus says, and I think this should be, I mean, I'm going to write this down and post this on my refrigerator. That's how much it affected me. What Jesus said Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures the eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. That should be like a mantra that we live by every day. God knows we have bills. God knows that we have to take care of ourselves. He gives us wisdom, but do not set your eyes upon those temporary things. I've heard it time and time again since I was younger, people preaching, you know, we are not of this world. God has called us to a greater place where we're coming to. But we have been allowed to come down to the earth to establish the kingdom and to fulfill the purpose of Jesus Christ. So he, so he keeps on going. They said, therefore, to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Belief, faith, confession in Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about just your mouth. Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. But I'm talking about a, a, a heart situation where you're totally surrendered to who Christ is and the works of Christ that he's doing in your life. Complete and total submission to the will of God through Jesus Christ by the grace that he gives us to be able to live as God has called us to. They said, therefore, to him, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? The audacity the audacity of these people. What happened in verse 14? Have you forgotten already? Dummy? I mean, seriously. I don't, know how, I don't know how much, well, it says one day. Just one day ago, your tummy was grumbling and you were in need and God fed you. He miraculously took five loaves of bread and two fish. There was 12 baskets left over and out of your own mouth you confess that he was the prophet that had come into the world and then because Jesus stops in your tracks and says, whoa, whoa, you're not going to mooch off of me because I know the real reason you're here. You get mad and say, well, prove to me that you're the one who was sent to heaven. Jackie face, Jackie Chan face, like, what? What in the world? And that's, and I, that's what I'm trying to show you. That's where we get to. That's what we need to be very careful not to get to as a church. As, a, a, as single Christians, Lord, you did this for me, and then another circumstance arises. And, and listen, I've doubted before. I've been there as well, but we got to try the hardest we possibly can to say, all right, man, I made it through this last circumstance. God's going to see me through this one. God's going to make a way through this circumstance here. And you know what? Because he did it last time, I know he's going to do it again. And you know what? It's going to be even greater. Our faith, we go through it. What does Paul say in Romans? We go through our circumstances and our tribulations because it builds what? Perseverance. Perseverance to be able to, to make it through, to be unshakable, to be anchored and rooted in Jesus and to say whether the lights of my house go off, whether I don't have nothing to eat, whether I lose everything, I'm not going to be shaken because I know that the Father said that if I seek the kingdom of heaven and all its righteousness, everything else shall be added onto me. How many of you have ever had your lights turned off? Honestly, I never have. So what does that tell you? If you follow what the word says, if you pursue Jesus for who he is, not only because of what he can do, you'll be taken care of. You'll be taken care of. He will look out for your best interest. For your best interest. So they ask for a sign. They ask for a sign. What are they, and look, and then they get religious. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. So they're basically saying, our ancestors, oh man, the miracle was great. Bread came out of of the sky and we ate for days. What are you going to do to top that? What are you going to do to top that? They were talking to the person who released the bread in the first place. (laughs) They were talking to the, he said, he says in the next scripture, I gave you the bread. And you're going you're to ask me what I'm going to do when in the beginning I was ever-present with the Father before the beginning of time, and I, and I was the one who released the bread in the wilderness, and you're going to dare question me, what do you do? Come on, man. All this is wisdom to believe Jesus, and Jesus answers, truly, truly, I say to you, It is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They said therefore to him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. They're still hungry. (laughs) Man, bread out of heaven. You know what they thought? Okay, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy got got bread out of heaven. Guess what? I'm going to get it too. I'm going to get it as well. Give me this bread, Jesus. This bread that you talk about that gives me eternal life. Give it to me. Watch how Jesus throws them down. I am the bread of life. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Gotcha. I am the bread of life. Me. I'm the bread of life. <laughs> he who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me. And yet you don't believe all that the father gives me shall come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Jesus saying, come to me, believe in me. I'm talking about more than just natural stuff. I'm talking about something spiritual here, something that can only be revealed by the spirit of God. Get your natural eyes out the way and let your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears understand. I'm the bread of life. I'm talking about eternal life here. That's what Jesus is telling them. You'll never go hungry. You'll never be thirsty because everything that you need because you believe in me will be taken care of. And yet they're still not understanding what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, you have seen me. You have seen my miracles. You have seen me do the works of my father, yet you don't believe in me. What else do you need? What else do you want? I mean, that's where the Lord gets sometimes with the church. And, and you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to say I think sometimes Jesus gets frustrated with us. We talk about grace, 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 and love. I'm all for that because God knows I need grace and love and mercy every day of my life. But I believe that if we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can grieve Jesus too. If the Holy Spirit, which is one out of three out of the Godhead, I believe that Jesus can be grieved as well. And get frustrated with us, yeah. and, and, and that's just me. I mean, if you're not if if you're not up to that, then you can believe what you want to. But that's just the way I walk. And I don't condemn myself when Jesus gets frustrated. But I can I don't know. It's like whenever I doubt or something, I sense it in my spirit yeah. that 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 you know worry or or murmuring when I begin to man I don't know why you haven't come through yet and stuff like that. I believe the Lord's just like, come on, dude. You know, <laughs> have a not have a not moved for you before. Have I not moved for you? But how many times, Brandon? Raise your hand, Brandon. If, if I failed you once, uh, I don't see. No, I've never done it. I believe that's how, and that's how I believe the Lord deals with me. You stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just like I'm gonna give you a backhand if you don't stop complaining at me. I mean, seriously, that's just me. I mean, if you're if you're all happy pappy and angels surround your room every day and all this stuff, that's you. But to me, I know the Lord sometimes looks at me and it's just like. <laughs> Really, Brandon, because we we tend to let the little things in the natural overshadow the spiritual things that God has given us. The little things like how am I going to buy my groceries? Hey, how about you stop worrying about it? Because I have food that you won't perish that you can pursue. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. Is this okay? So he keeps on going. And he begins to say, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of he who has sent me. And this is the will of him who has sent me, that all that he has given to me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my father, that everyone who would behold the son and believe in him may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. He's still letting them know how easy it is to believe all I'm telling you. Look upon me as your salvation and believe in me and release your heart to me and you will have eternal life. And you will have eternal life. No wonder, um, in Acts, when Stephen was stoned, he said, you're stiff-necked. You are a stubborn people. I mean, what other people on this earth has seen miracle miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle and oral tradition has passed down to the Talmud through these people. And they have the Torah. They have the prophets. They have the writing. And God split the Red Sea. And even in 1967, you have stories of when Israel got in war. And, I mean, stories of God protecting the soldiers in the, in, in the seven-day war. Where they, they were about to start digging out of mine. And all of a sudden, a wind comes out. And it, it exposes all the mines. And yet, you still don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Stubborn, stiff-necked, resisting the Holy Spirit. That's what Stephen said. These people still cannot comprehend. The Jews, therefore, were grumbling. Now you're getting mad. Now they're getting mad because Jesus is putting them in their place. You know, get mad if you want to, but sometimes we need a rebuke from the Lord. Well, show me scripture. Jesus said, those whom I love, I chasten. Revelation, go look it up. Google it. Google it. Rebuked by Jesus. I am the bread that came down out of heaven. He tells them again. And they were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come out of heaven? I mean, first he was a prophet that came down to his word to the world. And because Jesus put them in their place, it turned to, Who are you? I know your mama and your daddy. And your mama didn't have a good reputation, but let me tell you that much. I mean, <laughs> your mama got pregnant all of a sudden, I'm, you know, but that's none of my business. And she wasn't even married yet. That's who you came from. Began to get mad and begin to call out Jesus for the negative things that they think are negative in his life. First moment you were a prophet, now you get mad at Jesus. And Jesus becomes a stumbling block. And he didn't do nothing. He just said, believe in me. Believe in me. So he goes on to say, don't grumble amongst yourself, like, shut up, (laughs) stop, stop talking. Don't grumble amongst yourself. He's like, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him upon the last day. Now Jesus sounds redundant because he's saying the exact same thing over and over. I'm the bread of life. No one can come to the father but me. And exactly, it doesn't matter how many lambs you kill, do not matter how much blood you spill, it doesn't matter how many doves you take from the Gentiles to sacrifice, it don't matter. All that is futile because you won't come to the Father unless it's through me. Jesus was trying to change the religious culture of that day. And he began to say what it was written in the prophets in and in talking about the Father. And then he goes again to say in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your Father, And this, this is how he counters your argument. Oh, we got manna. What are you gonna do? Jesus said this right here Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and guess what? They died. (laughs) What you want me to give you ended up in natural death, anyways. How how, much? An entire generation was lost because they grumbled against the Lord, an entire generation because they could not stop grumbling. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, from Moses' time to John 6, still grumbling, still got that Egypt spirit, still needy, don't know what the Lord has done for you, you don't forgot about it. And Jesus is saying, hey, guess what, they ate it and they died. They didn't have salvation because of their grumbling, because they, they didn't choose God. They chose something else. And then once again, he says, this is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread also which I shall give for the life of this world is my flesh. And this is where he starts getting, he starts getting, you know, like a metaphor. It starts getting spiritual and it freaks these people out. Watch. The Jews, therefore, began to argue with one another, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Man, this dude is a cannibal. I mean, now first they were mad because Jesus wouldn't give them the food. Now they're looking at him like he's weird. Like Hannibal Lecter, this dude wants to give me his flesh to eat. I mean, I'm hungry, but not that hungry. I can pass on some flesh. And Jesus begins to say, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall, shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread shall live forevermore. Now they're going totally crazy. I mean, the Bible says here that he was in a synagogue in Capernaum. You know what? One, let me, a little side note. When God's judgment comes, that's why Jesus prayed, woe unto you, Capernaum, because so many signs and wonders were done amongst you, and yet you did not believe. Imagine that. Imagine we get to, we get to Judgment Day, and we Gentiles who were unclean in the eyes of the Jews are standing in righteousness with Jesus Christ because we didn't even look at him and we believed in him. And yet this generation of people who passed away saw sign after sign after sign after sign, sign, yet they did not believe in the Messiah. Imagine the shame that's going to come upon him that those people that they considered unclean and not worthy of the promise of the Messiah were more willing to accept something they had never even seen over somebody who walked over people who belonged to God. Imagine that. That's why I'm saying, listen, just the mere fact that you have accepted Jesus Christ and that you're sitting here and you haven't even seen the man, God pronounces a blessing upon you. He said, but he told Philip after his resurrection, blessed are those who believe yet have not seen. That makes my day every time that I wake up. God blesses me. He pronounces a blessing upon me because I haven't touched Jesus naturally. I haven't seen Jesus with my eyes. But yet, man, he is the realest thing that my life has ever encountered. And there is nothing in this world that can take me away. No hell, no high water, no problem, no circumstance, no situation. Let the government come and try to take my life, my house. Do what you want. Jesus has been too good to me. The Lord has been too good to me for me to ever deny the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I'm willing to seal my testimony with my own blood. We got to get, I mean, we're blessed, church, <laughs> because we, we believe in Jesus. And He pronounced a blessing thousands and thousands of years ago. Blessed are those who believe yet have not seen. You're blessed. Because you have chosen the right path without even looking at it. I'd rather be here, not seeing Jesus, than be part of it. And you know what? I love the people of Israel. I really do. I pray for them on a daily basis. But do you understand that when the Lord returns, we will be judged by grace, and they will be judged by the law? Can you imagine that? You wanted to stick to the law for so much. You know what, baby boy? I'm going to judge you by it now. But yet these people over here who knew nothing of who I was and believed in me just by believing simply by faith that I existed, they're going to be judged by grace and by mercy. Because they accepted the promise of who Jesus Christ was. We're blessed, church. We're blessed to know and to believe Jesus. So he begins to talk to them about, they get real upset because Jesus was in the synagogue. Many, therefore, of his disciples Pay attention here. When they heard this said, this is the difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus said, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? (laughs) Before this time, the Bible talks about 70 who were sent out. Think about it. 70 sent out. After this happens, how many are left? 12. 12. The, other, the others, other than the 12, were not able to take what Jesus was saying. Listen, that, that's what, this is a prophetic picture here. That's where the church is at, at this very instant. There's, they, 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 the church don't no longer, doesn't no longer talk about, you know what, you're going to go through some stuff. The church no longer talks about, hey, it might get hard here once in a while. The church doesn't talk about you know what, you may not be you may not be prosperous like that preacher's telling you that if you give your life savings, God will give you a hundredfold return and a check in your bank account. You may not ever see that, and you know what happens because there's not sound doctrine or sound teaching of these things in the church that people are getting weary and they're abandoning it, abandoning the faith because of what they're not seeing, because they are being given unrealistic expectations unrealistic expectations. God never promised you that he was going to give you a $10 million check in your bank account. Hey, he never promised you that he was going to give you the Powerball jackpot numbers for you to win. But what he did promise you that he was going to take care of you and provide every need that you would ever need. Anything you ever ask, anything that you're ever in need of, the Lord says, listen, put your focus on me. Behold on, behold me. As long as you're keeping your faith in me and looking at me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. And if you happen to stumble upon the way or to be upset or to feel like all of hell is coming down against you, it's okay to feel that way because you're human. But guess what? I'm victorious. I overcame. And because I have overcome, so will you. I mean, we take it, we take it, the, a simple truth becomes so difficult for us to even, to, to even read because we're not ready for it. Because, and that's why I'm thankful for a pastor that stands right here and tells you the truth. Hey, sometimes it's not going to be sunny skies. You know why? The Bible talks about when Job went through his, what he did, God allowed the storm to come through him, but guess what? The Lord was in the storm, and the, he spoke to Job through the storm. When you have a storm in your life, be glad that you believe in the storm creator. The one who creates storms. The one who fashions the earth. He is the one who's in the middle of your circumstance. Just because he's silent doesn't mean you're abandoned. (laughs) Just because he's silent does not mean that you're abandoned. (laughs) Oh, Jesus He's silent for a reason. He's silent for a reason. Because he wants to see how much you're willing to press. How much you're willing to press. And what he really wants you to do is to open up this word. Listen, another side note right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Stop looking for different words from different people where the only word you need is right here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is the only thing you need right here. You know what? There's many of us who've been saying, well, Spirit of God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to me. And you, you come to church and you're making eye contact with the preacher for him to look at you and you're just like. And you're looking and you're looking and you're looking and, and then you're upset because the preacher didn't call you out. Right? And you want the Lord to, to speak to you and say, you know, why am I depressed, Lord? Tell me something. And if you would go to your Bible, the Bible says that Jesus called the Prince of Peace. That, that in his presence there's fullness of joy and then you require and you, but you know what the issue of that is because we're, we're so accustomed and so used to having the leadership do everything that we're not willing to pick up the word and open up and read what Jesus says about me. I mean I mean it would it would give church leadership less of a headache or or, or, or be less stressful because listen when a pastor or leadership and even anybody, you go somewhere and the Spirit of God moves upon you. Guess what's going to happen? When people pull on you so much, man, you're drained. You're drained. It's a spiritual thing. When the pastor or a minister walks into a place, you know how much spiritual warfare is going on? And spirits and demonic forces here and there are fighting that when a man of God, so if a man of God walks away from me, don't get mad. Don't get mad. You're seeking after a word from a man and after a word from the Holy Spirit. the Spirit of God is more than capable of speaking to you through the word than through somebody else's mouth. And half the time, I'd rather believe the word of somebody else because I don't know what any other people are going to be saying here. I'm sorry. I don't know what you were doing in your own personal life. I don't know what your secret sins are at home. I'd rather you not speak over me. Because scripture says that the tongue has a power of life and death. And I'd rather read what the word says and begin to speak in myself and say, you're ahead and not to tell you're above and you're beneath. And begin to encourage myself. Then let somebody speak over me who I have no witness in my spirit with. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, we got to get to the point where we believe Jesus above anybody else, above anybody else. You're seeking something natural. You're not seeking something spiritual. When you begin to look for what, for, begin to look, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Me a word. Listen, you're probably going to be upset for another couple months because the word ain't going to come to you. Because if you're seeking more a word than Jesus, guess what? Jesus is not going to allow to happen. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So let me get back before I went on that tangent. Before I went on that tangent. <laughs> huh? 61. So they dropped Jesus. They began to grumble. And they get upset. What, and, and then listen, listen to what Jesus says. You, does this cause you to stumble? Because I said this. Because I told you, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. Does this cause you to stumble? Right? Look what Jesus says next. What then, if you should behold the Son of Man ascending where he was before? What about then? Would you believe in me? But guess what? You know what? Jesus reserved that only for three. <laughs> You know, you know that? The other, the other nine weren't there. The other part of the 70 weren't there. Only three. I believe those three had more faith than anybody else. They were the inner circle of Jesus. He saved the transfiguration just for three individuals to see. Three individuals. He said, what if I would ascend back to where I was? Would you believe in me then? And you know what? Sometimes, and, and don't get upset sometimes when... You're like, and I do this sometimes when I'm, I get, I got mad a couple times. I said, Lord, take me to heaven. <laughs> take me to heaven. Just don't take me to hell like Mary Kay Baxter. I'm ready for that. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. <laughs> but take me to heaven. I want to see the four living creatures. I want to see, and, and it'll happen. I wake up all mad. Well, the Lord wasn't listening. Oh, Brandon, you weren't ready. That's right. You weren't ready. Not that, it's not that you will never, ever be ready. Is it at that moment? Listen, to be able to see things like that, it takes a lot of self-sacrifice and submitting yourself to Jesus in fasting and prayer and in reading of the word. And yeah, God moves on people and prophecies are released. Yeah, but I'm talking about for the Lord to, to take you like Paul and to give you a vision of heaven. That takes, some, some, that takes a lot. And listen, and if you're there, well, more power to you because only God knows what you're dealing with. To be able to get to that position. So I'm almost finished. Let's get to this. this, I'm about to push my final point that I want to. But I just want to get us to the point that we pursue Jesus. If you don't get anything else out of the day. Pursue Jesus even when it doesn't seem convenient. Because he will never fail us. If if, If God sees you pursuing in the good times. How much more will he not come to your rescue in the bad times? I mean, that's where Job was at. The Lord was like, have you seen my faithful servant, Job? He has so much faith in him. He said, you know what? He won't curse me. Try him. Just don't kill him. And I mean, the enemy, the devil threw everything he possibly could on that man. Listen, half of us would have quit after the first thing. Oh, I got a boil. I'm done. I'm done. Ouch. I'm done. Now this man lost everything. Everything. And yet, he, even his own wife said, listen, curse to God and die. And he said, no, I know that my Redeemer lives. And yet, though he slay me, yet my lips will still praise him. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We got to get to that point. So we're like, Lord, I know this is tough. But if, you kill, if I die because of this, hey, at least I'll be in your presence. At least I'll be in your presence and join who you are. So they go down and Jesus begins to say, pay attention here. He says, it is a spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. Again, Jesus is talking about spirit revelation. He wasn't talking about something natural. I mean, can you imagine the walking dead on Jesus? I mean, people just biting him. No. He was saying, in a spiritual sense, I am the bread of life. Just simply believe in me. He goes, but there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who would and who wouldn't believe. He was talking about Judas. But let's get to verse 66. This is where I believe we need to be as a church. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew, and we're not walking with him anymore. Jesus said, therefore, to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Look what Simon says. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? I mean, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. (laughs) And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. I mean, that's where we need to get as a people. (laughs) Jesus, where do I go? I mean, listen, you know my testimony where I came from. Do I go back to that? I don't think so. Do I go back to living a life without Jesus? To trying to figure things out. And that's where most of the church is sometimes. We exhaust every human capability of trying to figure things out. Yet we don't run to the only one that can do something about it. To whom shall we go Lord? You have the words of eternal life. You. The Holy One of God. The Prince of Heaven. The Messiah. The Chosen One. The Firstborn of the Dead. The Firstfruits. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who by his word, the heavens and the earth were fashioned. You have the words of eternal life. Who do I go to? Who do I go to? And that's where we need to be at church. And that's where we let all this little criticism and stuff get to us. Oh, this person here, he don't love me. He talks about me. They gossip about me. I'm going to stop coming to church. I'm going to stop doing this. You're doing yourself more harm than good. You're you're putting yourself in a position where the adversary will come in like a flood and take you out because you're getting out of the covering that God has placed upon your life. Who are you going to go to? Who are you going to go to if Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life? But you know what? We get to that point because we don't focus on who the Lord is. We get too much in our feelings. We get too much in our natural flesh. And listen, I'll be the first one to say, if I'm not careful, I get very angry. I get mad. And when I get mad, I go off on everybody. And then two days later, I'm like, man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I get mad. But whenever we got to get to the point where before anything ever happens, if somebody says something to us, if somebody gives an ugly look, if the pastor doesn't shake my hand or if the pastor don't talk to me for two Sundays straight, it doesn't matter, Jesus, because you're the one that I'm after anyways. You're the one that I'm after anyways. You're the head of the church. So what if one of your body parts is acting the wrong way? You're their head and you're all that matters because you love me. You'll shake my hand. You'll give me a word. You'll embrace me. You'll love me. You'll love upon me. You'll talk to me. Let's get out of the natural church. Listen, the church is full of messed up people, period, period. I'm a mess. You're a mess. And if that offends you, oh, well, we're all a mess. We're all a mess. We're all, I mean, we're all messed up. I have anger issues. I'll be the first to say, I get mad real quick. Katie gives me an attitude. I get an attitude like this. Jill's like, oh my God, here we go. Confession is good for the soul. <laughs> <laughs> Confession is good for, I'm, I'm being serious. I get mad. I get mad a lot. Whenever, like, if something happens or what, I get real mad. But listen, I'm trying to change because I know that Jesus is all that matters. If something like that happens, somebody makes you upset, please do me a favor. Go pray. <laughs> I promise it'll make it better. Because it, the Lord is like, okay, why is my church so disunited over some emotions and over some feelings? Yeah, yeah. That's what the hindrance to revival is because people are buttered all the time. Forgive me for saying that, but it's the truth. They get hurt easily. Yeah. Sensitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like, oh, that person did talk to me, that person did this, the person. And the Lord's like, so what? So, what? It's like, I'm telling you, the church is just in a sibling rivalry. That's what it is. One brother doesn't like another brother. Cain and Abel situation, but you can't kill each other because it's against the Lord. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. The, and the Lord's here, like, okay, there's bigger fish to fry. For example, anybody see on Facebook, on Instagram, Kirk Franklin did a song with Kanye West, and literally the church crucified the man. And, 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 and Kirk Franklin said, What am I supposed to tell Kanye? No, you're not good enough to take a picture of me because I don't know how I'm going to look to the church. No, you let him labor in the harvest field that the Lord gave him and you worry about what God has called you to do. That's right. That's right. And, and, and that's where we got to get you as a church. Stop worrying about the little nitpicky things that we don't like and focus on what God has called us to do as a community of believers. Because you know what? One day I believe this is the way it's going to happen. I believe we are going to be on the judgment day together. Hey, what's up church family? And we're all going to give account for not fulfilling the purpose that God has called this community of believers to fulfill. Think about that. Every time that you get upset, every time that you're mad, every time that you choose the flesh over the spirit, you hinder the work that God has had you to do. That God gave you to do. And I'm talking about you don't know what that work is. Maybe there's somebody walking out of that street that you're supposed to witness to and then they die in their sin. What are you going to do then? Because you got upset or because you focus too much on the flesh. We got to get to the point where we say, listen, Lord, it don't matter. I mean, you get to that point and it's easy. You don't like me. I don't care. I love you anyways. And I'm still going to come to church and I'm still going to love on you. And I'm still going to shake your hand because I'm not being fake, but that's because what the Lord says. Listen, I've gotten to the point where the Bible says you got to forgive your brother 70 times seven. And some people have been at 489. It's like, one more. Tammy knows what I'm talking about. One more. I dare you to make me mad, brother. And yes, it? I'm cutting you off. And then Jesus walks in and says, how many times have I forgiven you? How many times have I looked past your foolishness and, and, and your, your unfaithfulness and your doubt and all this stuff and your sin? And you try to act righteous and you try to get mad, but yet you don't love the way I'm telling you to love. Let us, let us be quick to think about that. Man, you know what? Yeah, this sister, may, and this sister may have said something, this brother may have said something, but you know what? Jesus forgave me of my sins. He's, he knows the sin I'm going to commit in the future. Hey, guess what? He forgave that too. Why can we not extend the grace and the love towards one another? And let me tell you another thing, and I'm done, I promise you. We'll pray and I'll let you go. Listen, there's a lot of people here. The Spirit of God is moving in this place, Okay. There's going to be revival and awakening all over this, not just our father's house. But honestly, I don't find what God's doing here anywhere else. And guess what? People are getting mad at one another, but the reason, you know what's happening? Nobody's leaving because nobody wants to miss out on what Jesus is doing. So guess what? You might as well make amends, shake hands, give one another a hug, and get over it. Because I don't want to miss what God's doing here, and I really don't want you to miss what God's doing here either. If you decide to leave, you do what you need to do. But you know what? How about we just make amends? And say, you know what? We love each other. God's doing something great here. I don't want to miss out on it. Anybody else? Where else will we go? I mean, the vein that we're in here in the spirit is not found anywhere. And I'm not judging church to church saying this church is better and that church is better. No, God sent me here specifically for a reason. And if I would come out of the will of God and go somewhere else just because I'm upset or something, maybe you move without asking the Lord. Maybe you move because you're not asking the Lord. God, listen, it's it's, it's as easy as this. God gave you grace and mercy. And yeah, his people act stupid sometimes. But you shouldn't view the Lord that way just because of somebody that messes up. That's That's all it is. That's all it is. God loves you. I love you. And I'll be the first one to say, if I have made anybody mad here for doing anything stupid, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I really am. I'll I'll be the first one to say if I made you mad, if you ever feel that I talked about you, or if I didn't shake your hand when you wanted to shake ha- me to shake your hand or something, listen, half the time, my mind is everywhere. Like Katie said at the Valentine's Day dinner, there's noise going on in my head all the time. So if I, don't, <laughs> if I don't look at you or something, it's not to shame you or nothing. Get my attention. Look at me and say, rude, and I promise you I'll come and embrace you and give you a hug and love on you and say, I'm sorry I didn't notice you. I'll be the first one to say, if I did anything against you, I, publicly up here, and I'm not saying this because I'm preaching. I mean, God's looking at me. I'm not just saying this just to feel dead air. I want to apologize and say I'm sorry. You know, forgive me and, for, and, and let go of any circumstances. Like I was talking one, to Samantha one time today. Forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. It's for you. For you to have peace and tranquility. Because you know what? People are going to move on and live their lives, and you over be here still mad. For more information about All Fathers House or upcoming events, please log on to www.allfathershouseky.org.